refs and specs. Hello, good morning, good evening, wherever and whenever you may be listening. Welcome to episode five of the refs and specs. Theo here with my brother Ewan. Hello. Ewan, how you doing? I am good, thank you. Uh, I usually say a lot about my week, but how was your week, Theo? You know what, I had a good week. A busy week. Lots of other things going on. Lots of pod research, actually, this week. Looking into things, prepping myself for making sure I know the laws of the game in case you tested me on anything. But just lots of good sport this week, you know? There was the cricket on. I know we're a football podcast, but the Ashes didn't go very well, but exciting, nevertheless. The F1, crazy on Sunday. Again, if there was a... Yeah, maybe we should just be a general umpiring refing podcast. Then we could talk about all these things. That would be fascinating. We won't dilly-dally on that because we've got a cracking guest on today. Over to Ewan to introduce him. Now, we were lucky enough to manage to bag for the whole podcast this week. Staff writer at The Athletic and editor of the Totally Football Show's yearbook, Nick Miller. So, welcome to the podcast, Nick. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? How was the weekend? Yeah, very good. Try and watch um, kind of minimal football because sometimes it can get overwhelming. You know, it's too much of it, really. There is, frankly, too much football. But I've watched the refereeing decisions, which is the important thing. And to be fair, five were there five penalties this weekend? There were three in the Chelsea game, so... Yeah, I think five, like, winning penalties as well. I think they were all yeah. deciding penalties, and a lot of them in 80 or 90th minute as well. So it was, yeah, a big penalty week. And that's what we're going to focus on this week. Nicely done. It's always good when there's good decisions for us to chat about during the week. So Yeah, really no, complain. it'll be good. So... We're going to start with the West Ham game. West Ham-Burnley. Finished 0-0. Arguably shouldn't have. One, if Nick Pope wasn't quite a good goalkeeper. Uh, And two, if VAR had made a different decision. So I'll take you through this one. Corner comes in for West Ham. There's a flick on around the near post. And it continues off and it's going to go out for another corner. And so the West Ham player, uh, Dawson, gets his body in front of the ball to shield it out to make sure it goes off. And as he does this, Dwight McNeil comes sort of around him, trying to kick the ball away. But because Dawson's got in front of him, just absolutely swipes through Dawson. Nothing. Nothing is given. And this is a bit of a weird one for me. I was going to start us off before I jump into, like, opinion stuff. As we do. As I stated last week, I know all of the laws of the game. And Law 12 will tell you that... Kicking or attempting to kick someone in a reckless or careless manner is a foul. And Law 14 will tell you that any foul that takes place in the box is a penalty. So I'm a bit confused as to how this wasn't a penalty for West Ham, to be honest. I mean, I don't know about you two, Ewan. Why have you come with so much research? I was not prepped with this beforehand. This is a professional podcast now, Ewan. Well, my first viewing is it was sort of very similar to you. I don't really understand what has gone on here. The The decision seemed bizarre to me because Dawson quite clearly gets in between ball and man and McNeil comes in and takes him out. The only thing I can possibly think is that Dawson is looking for it. There is no attempt by Dawson here to play the ball or anything. It's very much, I'm just going to run in between them as McNeil's trying to clear it 
and I'm just going to hope for the best that I win a penalty. It's the only reason I can really see why they didn't give it, but I still would have given it. Like, it's he's, he's completely mistimed his kick. I don't know what you thought about it as well, Nick. I think this is one of those classic ones where there, I think there, there sort of seemed to be two main like uh, replay angles of it. One was sort of from looked like it was from around the corner flag um, on uh, one side, and the other was sort of from the exact opposite angle from behind the thing. And from behind, it looked like, uh, as, as you have said, it looked like the most obvious penalty ever. Give that sort of you know a hundred times over a hundred no problems but then on the other angle that's where it looked like as you've just said that Dawson was sort of looking for it he was he it, that's the one where it looked like he sort of not, not not only was looking for it but did that sort of trailing leg oh my god look look, look at this I've you know I've tripped over an opponent what 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 are we to do kind of thing and I can only assume that I'm not sure where the referee was uh, from the initial decision but um, I can only assume that the uh, VAR would have seen it, would have w- looked at it from the second angle and then and thought, well, that doesn't provide conclusive evidence that the uh, decision was wrong, so that's why it hasn't been overturned. Uh, I think I saw the, the angle where it looked like he'd bought the penalty first, so I thought, no, nah, that's not a penalty, he's, just, he's it's a, it's a sort of, he's dived into the, the defender's leg. Um, and then you see it from the other angle and you think, no, it doesn't really look like a penalty. Yeah, weird one this. I think this is one of those classic ones that people have a real issue with because it's the interpretation of the laws a bit more here in that if this happens on the halfway line and the ball's going out for a throw-in, not uh, like a corner or something, the ref wouldn't even think about it. Of course it's a foul. And there's nothing in the rules that says that therefore it shouldn't still just be a foul, even if it's for a penalty. But for some reason, a penalty has to be something more, um, almost for refs, which is a weird thing. And there's a, there's often a similar thing with like um, with yellow cards, which is why I quite liked the uh, Raúl Jiménez sending off. Um, well, I liked it firstly because it was funny, but also because <laughs> because there is there is often that thing where if, you, if a referee books someone for like a shirt pull or whatever it is. They're less likely to give them a second booking for the same offence, and I could have, could have easily seen a situation where in that Jimenez one, the referee would have kind of gone, well, no, I've just booked him like literally literally thirty seconds ago. I can't book him again. That would be ludicrous. So it's uh, that I I found that quite sort of. Um, and I know I'm going off on a bit of a tangent here, but I find that quite heartening that the referee did actually say, no, you've been a stupid bastard. You we, we've got to give you another <laughs> yellow card here. They can't have a complaint. It was two yellow cards. They were two um, cautionable offences. It'll be the consistency, though, because there'll be a player that does that next week or something akin to that, like you say. But they'll have this five-minute immunity that you get after a, after your first card, and the ref won't give it. Um, and Yeah, that's what would annoy me as a Wolves fan in the coming weeks. Not this week. I don't think you could be angry this week. Yeah, because, I mean, but, um, obviously everyone was saying Jimenez was basically even being massively thick for doing that um, afterwards, but actually maybe he was just relying on precedent um, and just thinking, well, I, I usually get away with this, so I'm going to try it. Um, yeah. Whereas in reality, he was just being thick. So, Nick, yeah, maybe that blow to the head did more than we thought. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wow, the man's just come back from you know months of heartrending, uh, uh, you know emotional, 
treatment and recovery, and this is this is what he gets. Unbelievable. <laughs> would would you two? We'll come to you first, Nick. So you sort of gave us both sides of it. What would you have given? I know you might not have any refereeing experience. Absolutely no refereeing experience, which makes me uniquely unqualified to be on this podcast. But um, <laughs> uh, I'll leave that to you guys. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna uh, gonna give you a, a kind of quite a weak answer by saying if if I if there was no VAR and I was just the referee, I would have given the penalty. But if if I was the VAR and I'd seen the angle where it looked like he he had just thrown himself into the the um, into the challenge, I would have said no penalty. I, I, I that's not even I don't know whether it's even sitting on the fence. That's just a, a kind of real wishy washy answer. But that's the one that's the one I'm sticking with. Fair play, Ewan. Verdict. You know what? I came into this watching the decision, thinking a hundred percent penalty. Sort of the way Nick's spoken about it, especially with this whole sort of trailing leg idea, makes me lean a bit towards the he has played for it, but I've sort of accepted the fact that I've watched many players play for things before and get them. So I think I will stick with it. I think I'd give it as a penalty. I think the swipe is is reckless from McNeil, and he's quite a long way away from the ball. Um and Dawson does well to get there. And if McNeil hadn't have kicked it, Dawson would have the ball, I think, is the logic. And so Yeah. Ultimately I think it's got to be a penalty. So I was a bit I was a bit confused when VAR didn't give it this week. Yeah, I mean I said it to sort of to set it all up, but it's a pen for me. I think not just because there's a contact, I think there was a bit of a coming together. I might be like, you know what, Dawson's looking for it too much. So I wouldn't allow it. But the swing from McNeil is is reckless. Um so that's a pen for me. All right, then. Number two, or technically number three, because we spoke about Jimenez for a little bit. Going to move on to Brentford-Watford, which was a really good game, Friday game. So this was like 92nd, 93rd minute or something like that. Can't remember. And it's Troost Ekong on Godos of Brentford. Um, and the slide tackle comes in. And again, it's one of those ones in real time. It looks like a stonewall penalty. He just slides across him. Man goes down, penalty's given, quick referral to check it, they take the penalty, they score. I'll let you start on this one, you and Angeli. Um, I want to see what you think. Now, I'm worried here that I've been a bit swayed, having had a little chat with you beforehand about it. I think the most listening to the, comment, the Sky commentary on it was really interesting, because Carragher instantly thinks it's a dive. You can hear it in his voice. He goes like... <gasps> And then the commentator goes, oh, that's got to be a pen. And then Carragher sort of goes on with it. And even watching it, it does look like a pen. The sort of contentious bit here that I think we'll discuss is that Godos actually stands on Trustacon. So Godos is sort of the one who's initiating the contact. For me, though, Mm. and this isn't just because I get to speak to the lovely Thomas Frank every couple of weeks... I think it's I think it's a penalty for for Brentford, simply because he can't put his foot anywhere else. He's not he can't just it's not an obstacle course. The football pitch like isn't just doesn't have people sliding around the whole time that you have to constantly dodge. So for me, I think it's I think it's a pretty clear penalty that he can't put his foot anywhere else. So he has to stand on a Kong, but a Kong's put his leg there to foul him. Well, he's tried to win the ball, but he's missed. So I think it's just got to be a penalty. What do you think, Nick? 
hey, you, you're kind of you're hedging your bets here. You, you, you know, you're you're just throwing it to everyone else. Yeah. Um, I mean, I kind of yeah, I sort of broadly agree with, with you in that. I mean, it's uh, I I was going I was going to kind of ask you two with more kind of um, expertise than me that even though he does pretty clearly kind of stand on the guy's leg it's unintentional but that that does sort of qualify as as a foul but by by the defender that's not it doesn't sort of negate it if you know if it just i don't know it's just a bit weird isn't it it's it's one of those kind of things where where you can't you can't really quantify why but you just think this is just a bit weird and um you kind of feel that maybe the decision was wrong because it's a bit weird but um i obviously don't know the rules as well as you guys but i suspect there isn't a provision in the rules for things just being a bit weird Um, (laughs) not quite although maybe they you know maybe maybe they should be but uh as things stand at the moment i don't think they are yeah no i think you're right i think that's what it is one of those ones where you think whatever you think instantly and then you see it back and you're like oh okay and you probably whatever you thought the first time maybe have a slight doubt about that because of the weird nature of it but i think yeah there's enough coverage in the rules like you were saying to say that this should be a foul because there isn't a rule that states that if you are running somewhere and someone's leg is then where you want to you put your foot and then you stand on that person's leg that it's a foul but there's plenty of rules that say that lunging at an opponent charging at an opponent kicking an opponent obstructing an opponent are cause for a foul that yeah this is one of those ones where i think when i first saw the replay i was like oh he's not tackled him it's not a penalty but when you sort of sit with it and think about it i think like you say it does have to be a penalty because he's the reason he's gone down eventually um that's sort of what it comes down to because although he's not taken him out, the challenge has stopped his run, and then he's gone down as a result of it. So, yeah, probably would have stuck with it again. Penalty. All right, are we done with that one then? Is that another another case closed? Yeah, I think, I think we solved it. By the refs in specs. All right, final decision of the day. Uh, in the City game, City was struggling. Nil-nil, held by Wolves, even with the red card. That's ten men as well. Yeah, yeah, red card, and they just kept Horrendous. sort of knocking, smashing at the door. But they couldn't get through. I think Grealish missed a sitter. He's not having a great time at City, oh, can yeah. I just say. Uh, he's not doing that well. Waste of 100 yeah. mil. I, yeah, I think it was a bit mil. much. But it's hard to get into the City team, to be fair. It's quite a good squad. Um, anyway, it is... Who is it? Bernardo Silva is going down the right wing. Uh, and he crosses the ball in and Moutinho is running sort of alongside him, parallel, but sort of five to ten yards away. And as the ball comes in, Moutinho turns and as he does, his arm sort of goes up in the air, creating a longer version of himself. And the ball strikes him somewhere around the armpit area, in real time it seems, anyway. The ref doesn't hesitate, uh, interestingly. He gives the penalty straight away, which considering he's looking at it from somewhat of a reverse angle because even if he's in line with Moutinho he wasn't on the right hand side of Moutinho so he wouldn't be able to see the play as it happened uh, he gives the penalty and it goes to VAR and with a couple of replays probably combined with some talking to the linesman as well they end up giving the penalty City score they win the game 1-0 but yeah I kind of think this was maybe the one decision they got wrong this weekend 
in the big games, because there was a lot of talk about the Chelsea, Liverpool and City games all having important penalty decisions, I think this was sort of the big one that was wrong, potentially. Because um, for me, from the angles I saw, maybe there were more, and the replays I saw didn't quite show all of them. I think it's... I think it is his sort of armpit slash side lat, if you will, that it strikes, rather than any part of his arm. I, I'm going to bring the uh, the thorny issue of physics into this, which is... It seems like that there's there is a kind of more or less universal opinion that this this was a kind of dreadful mistake and you know wolves were robbed all this kind of thing. Um, I thought this was a, this was a penalty because if you the, all the all the replays uh, the replays that I've seen anyway show the ball hitting the kind of armpit area or just kind of beneath the sort of lower bit of the armpit area and the ball the, the ball was on a sort of upward tra- trajectory obviously from the cross from the floor um and then but then the ball kind of went pretty kind of immediately down into the turf which suggests to me that it hit the armpit or just or the kind of very top of the ribs and then bounced up onto his arm and the thing i was going to ask you to cuz i shamefully i um uh I've got got a little bit confused, and I can't remember whether this is the actual rule or not. It is considered a handball if it bounces off a a, a handball and a penalty if it bounces off a, a section of your body and then onto your arm if the arm is kind of you know flailing about somewhere. That's is that is that is that accurate? I would say yes. Right. That's in that's sort of all I've got to say on it, really. <laughs> Mainly because I think yeah, there are there are other ones where like yeah, when you've got like your arm by your side and it hits your chest and then your arm, I would never give that. And I think mm. no ref should ever give that. But Moutinho's arm here is in a ridiculous position. I don't even understand how he logically thought that this was ever going to end well for him. He should have watched... There are plenty of footballers out there these days. A lot of the Brazilians do it. With their arms nicely behind their backs while they jump so they can't be done for anything. And Moutinho's <laughs> like... He's really gone for the hand of God approach, and he's lucky that it hasn't hit anywhere else on his arm. Yeah. Um, Bernardo Silva shout out while we're here though. Love that man. What a wonderful footballer. What a Two weeks in a row he gets a shout out. Yeah, I know. Absolutely <laughs> amazing. Um, I, you know what? I had a thought about physics, um, which <laughs> is is fair enough for someone. It's a, who... it's a mistake we all make from time to time, you know. Yeah. yeah I I didn't do well at my physics GCSE, so that's probably why. Um, <laughs> Think about it, that's quite interesting. Because, like, from the, all the angles I watched, I kept watching and going, okay, it looks like it's literally managed to hit the exact armpit area. Like, it looked like yeah, he was lucky so... almost for it not to be caught in the armpit. Um, but if we're almost saying that, from what a lot, a lot of the stuff I'd read actually said something slightly different, which is similar to what you said, Nick, where it hits his sort of upper chest onto his forearm. Forearm? That's not your forearm. Your bicep. No, it's kind of the, uh, yeah, the bi- bicep. Yeah. I don't know what. You, maybe that's the tricep. I don't know. Uh, arm. The arm. upper bit of the arm. <laughs> the arm. Upper arm. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, go straight down to the ground. And if that's the case, I think I am more likely to give it. Um, I think it's one of those ones where I'm going to sort of sit in the middle between you two. I think I would have had to have seen more footage to have been able to give a clear answer. And so maybe if I had given it on the day because I thought that it I think the ref on the day thinks it's hit a lot higher up on his arm when he gives it I think yeah. the ref goes your arm's in the air 
they're all calling for handball. I'm pretty sure it's hit his arm. And then he goes to check it and goes, I'm going to try and find a way almost to show that it's hit his arm. Um, and I haven't seen an angle yet that's sort of conclusive either side. So, I, yeah, I'm sort of going to have to sit in the middle of, like, I want to see more. I wouldn't have been able... I don't think I would have been able to give the decision. That's almost my issue. I think this is another classic example. The thing that, that people have said for years and years... In fact, I was listening to a podcast earlier on where uh, Brian Clough was having a go at some t- someone on TV for um, quick, too quickly judging what the decisions that referee give, referees give and his his thing was saying you know they've only got two seconds to make the decision they've got to think of something instantly and you're watching nine different replays and whatever else which is obviously an extremely old argument but this this is another one of those where we watch the we we we've watching these replays over and over again and everyone seems to or, or a lot of people particularly on sort of TV and match of the day on Saturday they were very definitive and it was very much you know this is this is uh, absolutely the the wrong decision that's been made. Um, it, there's no way this was a penalty. Whereas I think, and you know, as we have just been discussing here, I think there was a, this is one of those decisions where there is an awful lot more nuance to it, and it is quite difficult to definitively say one way or the other whether that ball actually did hit his arm. And this was, and again, this was this was a sort of official response I think that whoever was, I don't know who the VAR was uh, for this game, but the, the resp- official response they gave was that they could find no kind of conclusive evidence that um, you know, that it hadn't hit his arm, which is what they needed to do to overturn the decision. So on the so f- on the one hand the, um, the referee and the linesman um, had you know, it was very easy to see why they gave it on the field, and I don't think there was enough conclusive evidence on the VAR to to overturn it. So I think this is another one of those um, things where people are being um, having very strident opinions, and I don't, I don't really think it was cl- as clear cut as um, as those opinions would sort of, you know, the, the would uh, justify. Yeah, I think that's the that's a good point to take from this really is that yeah people after a game people like to make it out that there's a correct and a wrong decision that the ref got or didn't get and it's kind of like no that that was a tough one and it could have gone either way um i literally just watched it again just now and i'm still not 100 percent. i think i the more i look at it the more it looks lower than i think and it maybe it just comes off of his side but who knows? Before I thought it was very close and the whole physics argument does make sense, obviously. <laughs> the ball is coming up at him. Uh, I understand some physics. Uh, did better than Ewan. So, um, yeah, weird one, though. I really... I, I'm i going to stick with my thing, though. I think that's what you have to do with these things is you do have to go with your gut. So I'm going to stick with no pen. So... This week, Nick, this is your time to sit back and relax before your big moment in the in the limelight, shall we say. Theo is going to grace us with another one of his excellent refereeing tales. So, Theo, feel free to take it away. Oh, it's been a while. We've had a couple of weeks off, but, uh, yeah, searching the memory banks for this one, but this is one of my favourite ones. So I was refing uh, a game down at Headstone. 
back in Harrow. One of my favourite teams to ref, actually. Really nice team. In this particular age group, I'd ref quite a lot. And as a result, I'd worked with the dad on the headstone team who ran the line quite often. So we had a good relationship. He understood me. He knew what I wanted from him. And he was a good linesman. You know, he kept up with play well. He was a fit guy. He showed up in boots. Always a good thing when you're running the line. Not expected, but it's nice. You know they're actually going to be able to keep up. Safe to say, I couldn't say this for the other uh, team's lino, who was not prepared and not a very good linesman. But throughout the game, you know, we had a couple of disagreements, but nothing major. Uh, He hadn't had too many problems. But then it was towards the end of the game, I'd made an overruling against a decision he'd made that had been reasonably important. You know, he called an offside when someone was through on goal for headstone. Uh, I overruled them because I saw something that he didn't. I was completely confident in my decision. There was no doubt uh, about it. And the headstone player went on to score. And I don't think this was a decisive goal, but it was a goal that sort of put the nail in the coffin uh, for this other team. I didn't really think much of it because, like I say, we had a couple of overrulings and disagreements during the game, as you do with a new linesman. Um, But that was it. And so the end of the game came shaking hands all the players as they come to you you know you don't have to do much as ref it's great everyone comes to you and so I'm shaking hands well played unlucky uh better luck next time all that kind of thing manager comes shake both managers hands uh linesman from headstone comes and he gives me the flag I'm like oh cheers thanks very much I turn around I'm looking for this other linesman I'm like I need my flag you know they're not cheap um and I've had those flags for a long time I really want them back and what would he do with it anyway um and I turn back around and it's the same linesman. And as if handing me, you know, my pet hamster that has died, he goes, I'm, re- I'm really sorry, Theo. Um, and it is my linesman flag. And in anger, this other linesman has snapped it in half um, so that it's two shards of a piece of wood. Because I had some classic linesman's flags. They were wooden, not, not, not plastic nonsense you get these days. Um, and he just gave it to me in my hands and I just sort of stood there shocked who does this? what grown man would do this after a game? insane behaviour I, I went and found the linesman actually I managed to track him down uh, and sort of confronted him just in a, again, in a sort of just what? <laughs> uh, and unsurprisingly he didn't really have an answer besides, oh you made that decision you did this, and I was kind of like that's not a reason and needless to say I took his details I reported their club. I reported them to the FA, to the league, to everything. And I had a brand new set of flags with me a week later, paid for by that team. New set of flags as well. That means you have one extra flag. Exactly. Now i got a spare flag. The idea that that can happen at under 14s, someone's dad gets that angry. There's getting angry and then there's that. You know, that's not yours. <laughs> so I just want to get the get the it, it really into the details of this. Uh, we he snapped it just just like you know just yeah. got, got uh, this. I'm I'm miming out, which isn't great for a podcast. <laughs> but he, he sort of grabbed both ends of it and just kind of snapped it in the middle. He didn't yeah. like there wasn't a sort of you know smashed it on his head scenario or smashed it <laughs> or, or anything like that. Nothing more uh. kind of. Um, I don't know, visceral than that. It was just a sort of this decision, whatever it was, has made me so very furious that he's snapped it. it sorry, you, you, did you say what what the decision was that he that uh, had angered him it was, so? I overruled an offside that he was 
trying to give, I guess. Right, okay. Um, and that was it. But yeah, like you say, very classic film bar fight, you know, with the pool cue. It was, yeah, knee, yeah. Whoosh, yeah. snapped it, <laughs> two shards, but luckily he didn't then attack me like they often do in those <laughs> scenes. He just then dropped the two parts of the flag and left for an offside. An offside, can you believe it? In, in a final piece of good news, before we move on to our lovely final segment, um, I called the FA today. And, and uh, I'm going to be getting back to refereeing in January, oh, having got the all clear after my uh, knee injury from the doctors this week. Woo. So, pending a DBS check, which, fingers crossed, will succeed, um, <laughs> uh, I will be refing again, hopefully. For, we'll take the Christmas off, it's a bit chilly. So, refing from January. It was amusing, I was speaking to the uh, guy on the phone from the FA, and... I was just talking to him, and I was like, well, you need refs, don't you? And he was like, yes, <laughs> desperately. You you have no refs because you abuse them. <laughs> it's like, it's like we're not going to give, we're not going to send, like, 16-year-olds down there because they, we know they're just going to get abused. I'm hoping, give it another year, as in, I do not want any abuse whatsoever going on in football. But with the referee shortage, perhaps the match fees will go up. Then it's worth the abuse, eh? <laughs> Right, so, as we enter the final segment of the podcast, Nick has not just brought one of the worst refereeing decisions of all time. He has brought two. And he will explain the reasoning why he's brought two, and Theo and I will have to consider whether or not we're going to put both on our list. But... Take it away, Nick. Go for it. Explain both your decisions. Well, okay, so so one of these is very much did happen. There is footage of it happening that is quite well known, and I've kind of got that as a backup to one the one that I, I've actually got, which you know, personally, uh, and the the, the one uh, my main one is one that personally wounded me, and uh, I've carried with me ever since. <laughs> Even though uh, up until earlier on today, I wasn't a hundred percent sure whether I just made it up or not. But stick with me. So the first one that definitely did happen was um, it was a game between Crystal Palace and Bristol City about maybe about ten years ago, maybe a bit more than that actually, um, and it was a, a classic kind of uh, ghost goal situation where by Freddie Sears, Crystal Palace striker, um, hooks the ball into the corner of the net, and it was one of those nets where um, there was it, it was I, I don't think it was kind of nailed uh, pegged to the ground. It had like a like one of those kind of strips of, I don't know, additional post or piping or something around the bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They put like the additional post around the bottom to like keep it in. It's like the the ones that often on wheels. Yes, exactly that, exactly that. Which seems very Sunday League for what was I think at the time a sort of championship game. Um, but the ball must have hit that exactly, rebounded out of the goal and into the the area in the general play. Uh, Crystal Palace. Uh, players all went off celebrating. Bristol City players were doing the usual thing defenders do when they just conceded the goal, kind of shouting each other, blaming each other, and looking generally despondent. And uh, suddenly, because the Palace players stop celebrating, they look over and they realise that the referee has thinks that I don't know. I, I, he maybe he thought he must have thought it hit the post and came out, so he didn't give a goal. He checks um, with his linesman, who also for whatever reason didn't think it actually went in the goal when. Obviously, to everyone involved, everyone who who saw it, it went between the posts into the goal. I, 
uh, the the definition of a goal that should have been given. And um, the clip I sent to you also has someone uh, has had a great deal of fun um, and putting over the top of it Neil Warnock, who was Crystal Palace manager at the time, his talk sport appearance I assume it was talk sport um, uh, after that, complaining at some length about it. So that is a, 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 it was a it was around this time that the complete, I, I can't remember the teams involved, I think it might have been Watford the complete opposite of this happened where a ball went wide and I don't even know whether it hit, actually hit the side side of the net um, and the referee gave a goal and everyone was thoroughly confused and I, 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 there may have even been in the same season but that one it is, it is Watford because I was I went to the Watford Man City game a couple of weeks ago with some Watford fans and they were talking to me about the podcast <laughs> and they went, oh, the worst refereeing decision of all time. It's that shot that didn't yeah. go in and they all said, and then the referee said it did. Uh, so I know absolutely none of the specifics on it other than that, yeah, it was one. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so that's the one I've uh, I've chosen as my kind of backup in case um, the other one was a figment of my imagination. But the one that um, uh, psychologically wounded me as a young child, this would have, it, it, the, 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 the most more, most specific I can get is it was a Nottingham Forest game in the very in early nineties, um, because Stuart Pearce was still playing for Forest, and it was in I, I can in my very clear mind's eye, it was before they um, had knocked down and rebuilt one of the stands, and it was in front of one of the ends at the City Ground in Nottingham. Um, the incident was Stuart Pearce uh, chipped the ball. He kind of had the ball about sort of 25 yards out. He chipped the ball over the um, defensive line, who I think may have kind of moved out to sort of try an offside trap for some of the strikers that were there. Pierce sort of instantly sprinted after his own chip and kind of, you know, went past the defensive line, latched onto the ball, and he was given offside for that. And even as a... I could only have been about sort of eight or nine at this point, even as an eight or nine year old, I remember being furious about this. <laughs> that how could it, it was one of those? I don't know whether everyone has this, but there's a sort of there's sort of loss of innocence moments where you realise that the world isn't fair, and that <laughs> not ever people aren't kind of your your hair. A lot of people have it with their with the first time that their their parents make a mess of something, and you know they're not actually your kind of tangible versions of god that they're not <laughs> completely infallible this this is this th- these kind of things happen to me with football uh, it, it happened to me again with Stuart Pearce when Stuart Pearce missed a penalty in the 1990 World Cup I couldn't it, I couldn't process it I couldn't understand how this guy who was my my favorite player my absolute hero had managed not to to, to make a mistake had managed to miss a penalty um, and this was a, a, a similar thing you were kind of Raised, well, I suppose some people are raised to think that people in positions of authority know what they're doing, and they know. In the case of referees and and linesmen, they know the rules. In this, uh, but this case, this was one of the the very early and starkest examples that that's not true. That the world isn't fair, and people, generally speaking, don't know what they're doing, and um, it from a very early age. Uh, it was it was made very clear to me that these things in the world that I didn't think should happen, I didn't think could happen, they do happen, and it's been with me ever since. 
just to clarify, I mean, because obviously we don't have the footage, so we're going with your memory here, but there's not even, you know, a defensive touch on this pass from Pierce. It's literally, it goes over the back line and he is the next person to touch the ball. Yeah. So there's no reason, does he score? And then it's ruled out or do they not even get that far? I don't think he did. <clears throat> no, I don't think, I'm not sure what happened after that. He may have had a shot. I can't. I honestly can't remember. Because there's no footage of this, and uh, because my dad, who was usually a pretty reliable, uh, got a pretty reliable memories for these things, particularly things that he, injustices that he was perceived um, mm. have happened to Nottingham Forest, um, he couldn't remember it either. But I did tweet it out, and someone did get back to me and said, "Yes, my my dad was a season ticket holder," which I was slightly uh, I stung very slightly that it wasn't someone replying saying, "Yes, I remember seeing that." It was you know my dad saw it. You <laughs> kind of decrepit old man. But um, that does sort of reassure me that this did happen, and it wasn't just this kind of fever dream of you know I've just invented some injustice in my youth to explain my flaws further down the line or something. I don't know. Um, so yeah, I think it did. It definitely did happen, but I can't remember the specifics of you know what happened. Whether he scored, uh, he may have done. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but yes, it was. There was there were uh, as far, uh, in my memory there were no other touches by any any other player on the Forest team or the opposition team, whoever that opposition team was. It was literally just Pierce chipping over the defensive line. Defensive line kind of moves up as if to play the offside trap. Pierce collects the ball himself and he's given offside. It sounds just like a classic refereeing error. Hmm. Just a like a classic linesman, just sort of very confused hmm. by the whole situation and has just gone randomly to the like. I when you were talking about it, it reminded me of one situation with me. Theo was refereeing a game, and for some un- by luck, I had been asked to run the line as a as an official. And ninety, I think we were ninety minutes into this game. It, it had gone into extra time, and this game was nil nil. And youth football nil nil. That is horrendous. <laughs> and I. I can't lie, I'd stopped paying attention. This game was horrendous. I flag for offside, and the, everyone on the pitch suddenly stops and looks at me. And Theo blows the whistle, because Theo trusts me. Theo knows I'm quite a good linesman. He trusts me. Everyone's talking to me. And it just turns out that, like, I'd lost, lost that attention for a split second, and I'd mixed up the colours of the teams. And this guy was 40 yards onside. Like forty yards onside because I'd just gotten confused by I just lost the attention and it sounds almost like that's what happened to this linesman because it almost sounds like a rugby situation little chip yeah. over the defenders yeah. nips in yeah, behind exactly that. like he just sounds like he's just fully it sounds as in it sounds poor it's yeah. a shame I can't see it but uh, it sounds poor. <laughs> Did um, when you made that mistake? Did someone from the opposition team come over and snap your? Uh, <laughs> I snapped my own actually. Yeah. I was that outraged with my. Own. It was mine. It was my flag. <laughs> oh, but, yeah, this is the this is the massive pullback reveal of the story, isn't yeah. it? The guy that snapped your land yeah. flag in half. It was really you. And... <laughs> oh dear. Uh, oh, two good decisions though. I mean, I've seen. Obviously, it's the only one I could have seen. The Freddie Sears one, and. Um, watched it again earlier and has I remembered that I'd seen it before and that one's incredible because you see that kind of thing I was going to say often but like more often than you'd think which is I can think of three or four examples of it there's a German league example that happened Kiesling. a Stefan few years Kiesling. back yeah the, Ke- the Kiesling one which is 
weird. Anyway, the fact that it's a thing, the, the goals aren't just, you know, bouldered in the ground and that someone knows, and it's not even like it went in a bit of the side netting and came out. It's bang in the back corner of the goal. Um, but I think what's good about these two decisions is that even though you've mentioned something that you said is personal to you, these are objective wrongs, which I think uh, Paul, uh, the Everton fan we had on a few weeks ago, who, um, although the decision may well have been wrong and we, we agreed with him, there was more of a subjective nature to it. It was the referee didn't see it as a foul and he did or whatever. Or vice versa, sorry. Um, so that's why I think, that's why I like last week's decision and why I pushed for it to be at the top of our worst list because it was an objective wrong. And I think these two fall into the same category. But where, Ewan? Where on the Do you list? think we we need to... The Freddie Sears one maybe needs to be higher up in our list simply because it might have cost Freddie Sears a good career in football. Like, <laughs> he was at West Ham doing great, moved to Palace, and then now look at him. I think he's in, like, League 2, having a whale of a time. And this goal cost him that career. Um, yeah. My only issue with the Stuart Pearce one is it's one that I really want to see, and it's weird that I have yeah. this memory. I wonder if Sky have that program called like the Football Years. I wonder if you go back and watch like 1991. It's just like a tiny little segment on it as this Stuart Pearce like chipper over the top. But I weirdly remember it, even though it was nine years mm. possibly before I was born. Um... <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was having quite a nice time until you said that. Um, so, I'm afraid, I think it's got to be above... I think they're both above Nanny. 100%, yeah, yeah, yeah. 100% above Nanny. I think they're also both above Duncan Ferguson. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you, I'm with you. So, I think the question is... This is going to be the only time I ever ask this. Nick, which one is worse? Oh, good question. Well... I think, I mean, it depends what you mean by worse, I suppose. It was the worse in a uh, spiritual sense for me was the Stuart Pearce one. But you can see how someone could get confused. They could have just drifted off during the game. You know, they could have just lost uh, lost attention or whatever. So I think the Freddie Sears ones, it was, was probably worse. So I think we go... I think we have to leave Graham Pulse three triple yellow card at the top. It's hard to yeah. hard to move it. Yeah. We'll go Freddie Sears now in at number two, number two, silver medal spot. So Nick has somehow managed to achieve silver and bronze <laughs> so far in our leaderboard. This has been really quite interesting, actually. Yeah, I think there's great. been some this has been some interesting decisions this week, and it's been great. The six I think it was six penalties actually really? across the weekend's action. Um, and a real like mixed bag as well. Some we thought obviously were clear cut, some were dodgy, um, and yeah, there were some given, some not as well. So I think it's been really good. Um, but we'd just like to thank Nick firstly for coming on to the pod this week. Thank you very much for inviting me. I'll see you, Theo, probably next week. We might be recording at home together for the first time. Ooh, a joint podcast. Christmas, Christmas fun at the Lurry House. Christmas special. Oh, we're gonna have to, you know knock a few of these out over the Christmas period actually games come in thick and fast yeah they do um, but other than that Theo I will let you uh, round off the podcast this week alright well thanks again Nick thanks Ewan and we have been the Refs in Specs <laughs>
Ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da